things going on today in Illinois, Mississippi, Nebraska, and Colorado. We have our Gray TV Washington News Bureau reporters here with us today to explain a little bit of what's going on. So um, this is our team right here. You can see them right here. We're going to start with our reporter, Nicole Newman from the D.C. Bureau. So, uh, Nicole, after being in Congress for nearly a decade, two Illinois lawmakers are not seeking re-election, and that is Representatives Adam Kinzinger and Sherry Bustos. So tell us why they're not going to be on the ballot. What are some of those potential factors that kept them from running? Uh, a big factor for both of them is redistricting when Democrats who have controlled the state legislature in Illinois uh, redrew the maps. Um, they went from 18 to 17 um, congressional districts. And part of redrawing the districts was to make sure that they could get as many Democrats um, in as possible. So Sherry Busso's seat, for example, was one that she narrowly won in 2020. And in that particular district. In 2016, it was won by Trump. So when state Democrats went and redrew those lines, they kind of put her at risk. And so when those new maps came out, um, analysts at least are saying that's one of the potential reasons why she didn't seek to win election or re-election because she didn't see a clear path forward. And as far as uh, Kinzinger, he was paired into the same district with uh, Darren LaHood, who is considered the incumbent there. So that would pair two Republicans against each other. And then of course, I think with Kinzinger, um, you know, we just had this um, hearing for January 6th, um, his participation in the hearing, as well as, you know, he voted, he was one of 10 Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. So he's not really, um, I would say his popularity in his party has waned. Okay, so, yeah, so you think that, um his participation in the committee is really impacting his future there. Yes. And now what about for both of them? What can, where can we see them in the future? What are their plans? Well, there hasn't been a lot of chatter from Busos on what she's seeking to do next. We know with Kinzinger, he has this country first movement, which is a political action um, committee um, who's been endorsing candidates throughout the midterms. Um, and right now, one of the main things with this movement that he has is um, putting country first, which is why it's called country first movement, um, instead of party. So as of right now, that seems to be, as far as political ambitions, that's his focus. All right, so uh, thank you again to Nicole Newman. Let, let's go ahead and go now to uh, Colorado. Let's talk to our great TV Washington News Bureau reporter, Peter Zampa. Peter. Um, you're joining us here telling us about primary, what we can expect in Colorado. Representative Lauren Boebert facing a primary challenge from a longtime state legislator. Tell us about the importance of this race in Colorado's third congressional district. Yeah, hi, Camila. This is another uh, freshman, an outspoken freshman Republican facing a primary challenge. And primary challenges are natural. They happen all the time. Uh, but sometimes you will see someone go unopposed, and there's a reason Lauren Boebert is not unopposed in this race. You have a much more moderate state senator, Don Corum. He's well-known in the state. Um, uh, experts say he's respected across the political spectrum. So he basically touts himself as a legislator, not an instigator, sort of a shot at how outspoken and sort of a firebrand Lauren Boebert is considered by a lot of experts. And she's also a Trump loyalist. You know, Don Corum has taken shots at what happened on January 6th. 
and he says he wants to take this district in a different direction. Um, there's a massive fundraising gap there. Lauren Boebert out raising Don Quorum by millions and millions of dollars. So it's an uphill battle. But one interesting thing is happening in Colorado, not just in this race, but there are political organizations trying to get Democrats to switch their party affiliation to unaffiliated or to the Republican side of things to vote in that primary to prop up whichever candidate they see as, as uh, less damaging to the state. Interesting. So less damaging is the, the term there. Um, now, what is at, state at stake politically this year for Colorado? Yeah, and as I say that about propping up these, these candidates, actually in the Senate primary, uh, Michael Bennett is a longtime senator for Colorado. He's a Democrat. He's a moderate Democrat in the state. Republicans are trying to mount a challenge. And if they bring a moderate candidate to the stage in November, folks are putting this as a, a possible swing state. Colorado has been trending blue for a while, but we all know what happens in midterms. The party in power usually has a target on its back. So actually, some political organizations are trying to prop up the more radical candidate in that Republican primary so that Michael Bennett has a clear difference between his Republican opponent in November. So there's a lot of political math going on here for the Democratic Party in Colorado, but it could be a target in November, depending on who the candidates are. And do you think that all of this is um, a broader rejection of, of the farther right wing of the party here in Colorado? A political expert we speak to says it's not necessarily a rejection, but the, the, the different wings of that party are definitely going to their corners. So January 6th is making Republicans do some in, inward looking, saying, what kind of Republican party do I want going forward? So it has definitely changed the dynamic in that state, and it has caused divisions within the party. But we're also seeing that across the country. It's not special to Colorado. Colorado just, ha just happens to have a, a more of a purple makeup than some of these, these other states. All right, Peter, thank you for giving us the breakdown over there in Colorado. And, and now let's go ahead and move on to our Great TV Washington News Bureau reporter, Brendan Cullerton. And Brendan is breaking down Mississippi for us. So, Brendan, thanks for joining us today. Um, why? I mean, okay, so Mississippi Republican Michael Guest is the first incumbent GOP congressman to be forced to primary in 70 years. Tell us why. Right, and uh, we're going in a different direction from what Peter was talking about, this very red state, as opposed to Colorado being a, a fairly purple state. But uh, Guest was the first in 70 years, and he was one of two this cycle. Him and, and fellow Mississippi Congressman uh, Stephen Palazzo both got forced as Republicans into primary runoffs. And and you mentioned it's, it's pretty unheard of. This is... This particular one is almost exclusively, if you talk to the experts and the people in this state, um, Guest voted for a January 6th commission. And that has proven, it seems, to be problematic for him. Um, his opponent, almost all of his, all of his political ads are just targeting Guest, saying he voted for January 6th commission. A vote for me is a vote no on the January 6th commission. So he's focusing much of that, um, much of his campaign around the entire January 6th commission point. Um, he's also kind of trying to align as the more, let's say, Trumpy candidate, saying he's, he's the America first candidate. Um, but this is kind of the, the opposite of, of the Boebert race, where he is being challenged from the right and um, there was very low turnout. He was forced to a runoff election. And tonight will kind of be a test as to uh, whether or not voters will overlook what he did. And 
Uh, to be clear, he did not vote for the commission that you're seeing on TV right now. He voted for a law enforcement review of what happened. But clearly, I mean, this is a, this is a man that won by, you know, 30, 40 points in his, his previous primaries. And He's, he's in a dogfight now. So tonight will be a good test of how much that matters to voters in Mississippi. It will. And um, like we talked about in Illinois, I guess, you know, involvement just in different ways for voters um, in the January 6th uh, committee is still influencing them. So um, like you said, also low voter turnout. Is that one of the big reasons? That's what guests would have you believe. So I talked to him both, uh, both the candidates. Guest says there were there was turnout as low as 10% in some parts of the state. And he's blaming his lack of victory on the turnout. His opponent says it was the choice to vote for a January 6th commission. So it really, it depends on which candidate you ask. And, and again, we'll, we'll see how much it matters tonight. All right. Well, thank you so much. Now let's go ahead and talk to our great TV Washington News Bureau reporter, Molly Martinez. Molly, thank you for joining us um, to talk about Nebraska. There is going to be a special election in Nebraska. Tell us a little bit about what's going on over there. Yeah, there's a really interesting thing happening in Nebraska today. There is this special election to fill the seat that was vacated by Jeff Fortenberry. He was convicted of federal crimes, so he resigned about three months ago. So this seat is to fill his seat through January. However, there is a Republican, Mike Flood, and then there is the Democrat, Patty Pansing Brooks. They are running for this seat that will only be held until January, but really they're running as a bellwether for what's gonna happen in November. So this is a very temporary hold on that seat, but voters are deciding right now. And I will note, this is an extremely Republican uh, district and uh, Fortenberry has consistently won this district nine times by at least double digits. So it's, uh, it's a real strong hold for Republicans. Okay, so just a temporary seat there, but um, it's not the only thing happening. So what else is happening today other than the special election? Yeah, I mentioned Fortenberry. Today is actually the day that he's sentenced. And so this morning, uh, a federal judge handed out his sentence. He faced a maximum 15 years in federal prison, and that stemmed from charges of lying to the FBI about political campaign donations from foreign agents. Uh, and he was caught in a lie by the FBI. He was convicted. But today, he was only sentenced two years probation and a $25,000 fine. I talked to a legal expert about this and he says it's not that uncommon. We usually see pretty lenient sentencing when it comes to white collar crimes. Okay, and um, have you, did you hear anything else? Did you get any information about maybe a, a previous time that there's been a sitting congressman who's fa faced any jail time? I mean, how does it go down and what can we expect? Yeah, I mean, this is far from the first time that a congressman has gotten in trouble. Uh, you look back and his sentencing, you know, it's, it's pretty common to have a lenient sentence. But there have been times historically where the law has come down really hard on congressmen and their malfeasance. One is uh, Jim Traficant of Ohio. He was sentenced to eight years in prison following fraud. Another one was Duncan Hunter of California. He had 60 counts of fraud based off campaign finances and a bunch of questions around that. He spent 11 months in prison. So we have seen prison time with congressmen, but it's exceedingly rare as we saw today with Fortenberry. All right, Molly, thank you so much. Um, and thank you to all of our great TV uh, news bureau, Washington News Bureau reporters for joining us and telling us what to expect today with primaries, Illinois, Mississippi, Nebraska, and Colorado. We appreciate all of you breaking it down and giving us a little bit of that information.